the first time I was booked on a Screen Actors Guild national commercial, and that's a big, big accomplishment for, for me at that level. When I was in the wardrobe fitting, it was all over Zoom because it was during COVID, but I'm standing there in this room with uh, the wardrobe person and she's having me try on an outfit, walk out, stand in front of the computer, while the director and the client and the producer talked about me. And it was very, you know, uh, humbling. And then I'd change clothes and come back out and just stand there and turn and, you know, model for them. And the director said, well, she's a bit older, so uh, maybe we'll have her wear that other thing instead of this thing. And all he was really referring to is I was a bit older than the lead. I was a supporting role. So I should wear the clothes that are less, um, I, the more grandma clothes. I'll just put it that way. And I, w I stood there waiting to be crushed. Like, they think I'm old. And, I, and then I realized I'm, I'm waiting for that. Oh God. And I, and it didn't happen. And, and I thought they know exactly how old I am. And they cast me. There was a thousand people submitted for this role. And I, I was the one they picked and they know exactly. I mean, they don't know my age, but they know what I look like. And mm -hmm. if this is what gets me work, like you said, I am my age. I'm not, I don't look younger than I, my age I don't look older than my age I am my age and I look my age and and they think that too and that's why they hired me hello you are listening to the late bloomer living podcast it's season four and here we are still reimagining rethinking and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join the Age Agitators Club for Women, where we come together monthly to hatch our plans for making waves as we age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old, and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community, and I hope to see you there. Hello, my friend. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited today. I have a very fun guest for you to close out our last episode for 2023. Dudes, wow. 2023, where did it go? <laughs> Seriously, where the hell did it go? <laughs> anyway, it has been... Really, it's been an incredible year. Uh, it's been a challenging year, not going to lie. Lots of stuff going on and uh, lots of exploration of who I am and where I'm headed and all the things. And I can't even speak to those things yet because I'm still trying to figure stuff out, honestly. But that's that's really what Late Bloomer Living is all about is uh, figuring out what the next part of our journey is without limiting ourselves to ageist limitations. So, you know, I'm on the journey with you, my friend. Um, but I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Janice Laurel Baker, also known as Janice the Actor. She started acting professionally after a 20-year career as a veterinarian and army officer. She is known for her improvisational and comedic style, but she also has the distinction of being murdered and playing the body multiple times on television crime shows. She says, well, because you have to start somewhere. <laughs> I first came across her on Instagram. I, I don't even know how this happened, folks, but I was scrolling, you know, I was scrolling the feed and I see this woman talking directly to the camera and she's sitting in her car in the dark. And I was instantly intrigued. And basically she was on a, a, a television set and she was, she had a break 
And so she went to sit in her car and she was just recording a little a little thing that said, Hey, I'm I'm on I'm on set and I'm doing this thing. And then she, she got cut off and she had to go real quick because they weren't allowed to have cameras on set. So it was it instantly like just made me laugh. Um, that here was this rule breaker doing this thing. I started looking into all of the other things that she'd posted to Instagram and it's all this behind the scenes stuff of her life. At, you know, doing the acting thing, auditioning and, and putting in, you know, self-taped auditions and all kinds of stuff like that. So I just love her realness and her sense of humor and the way that she is approaching becoming an actor and pursuing this career later in life. And with with just kind of like this playful curiosity about where she's going next anyway I cannot wait for you to to meet her so without further ado here's Janice Baker let's go hey Janice thanks so much for being with me today thanks for having me I have been watching you on Instagram for a while now I saw one of your videos you were you were recording yourself on your phone in your truck and then you were like oh I've got to go they're coming (laughs) Because <laughs> you weren't supposed to be recording on set or something, something like that. Right. It was hilarious. And it just instantly drew me in to your world, which is Janice, the actor world. And, uh, and then I could, I just took a deep dive from there. Like, who is this? What is she doing? And I love that you've just started acting right in. And how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I just turned 61. You just turned 61. And when did you start acting and auditioning and and really getting out there? I acted a lot as a kid, you know, in community theater and school and all that. And, and, um, and then in college a little bit, you know, in the, just in school theater. And I was, um, for a job, I was an extra, a background artist in San Francisco Bay area while I went to college and, and a little bit in veterinary school. And, and so I didn't, for years, I gave it up. I became a veterinarian, and and oh, it's been about six years now. I was really looking for a hobby. I'd just gotten out of the army. Was really lost. Didn't know. Didn't know who I was. If that makes sense. Yeah. And look, looking for a hobby, like, well, I should get a hobby, and uh, and I do a lot of public speaking. So I I went to a public speaking coach up in Raleigh, which is about an hour from me. I live in the middle of nowhere, and and it was at an acting school. And they were having acting classes that day. And I watched that and saw the lights and the stage. And by the end of the night, I'd signed up for their year-long program. Oh, you signed up for the year-long program, just like going in. I've got to do this. This is what I want to do. And it was just, I'm a little bit impulsive like that. So, um, but I stuck with it for the year and went almost full-time for the year. And uh, by the end of the year, I had an agent and was doing mostly commercials and then a little bit of television and, and film after that. And that's been what, six years now. And now it's, that's what I do for a living. That is amazing. So, so you served 10 years active duty in the army and then you were in the reserves for 10 years. Is that right? With the special 12 forces? 12 right. years. So, yeah. I, so I was in, uh, on active duty. I, I spent 18 months in the regular army and then meaning just the regular conventional army as a veterinarian. And then I I was selected for special operations. So there's a difference between special forces means Green Beret. That's something different. That's a okay. specific kind of unit, a specific kind of training. Special operations means the bigger picture of special ops. So I, I did that and um, I did that for 10 years, but primarily as a veterinarian and taking care of, of dogs, a lot of dogs. And then as you get higher in ranking, it doesn't really matter what your medical specialty is. You can be in charge of a big medical unit. So I was in charge of a a unit that was that was responsible for designing these huge medical training exercises. So imagine like the you know the ones they have in town where the the there's the fake bus that's turned over and everybody's got the fake blood on them and everybody has a role. So I was in charge of those it, but it, they were military. So helicopters and explosions and guns and all this crazy stuff which was when I got out, I realized was just like a movie set. Yeah. It's just like seeing a movie, a film. And, you know, I was, I started out simply as a role player, just dressing up as a villager or somebody who was wounded or whatever. 
and which was acting. And then as I went on, I, you know, as I pro um, progressed in rank, I have ultimately became in charge of it. I was the, the command veterinarian and, and the officer in charge of this program. So yeah, it, when I got out and I started acting as a hobby, I kind of started looking around like, I've done this. I've ordered helicopters and ex people who know how to make things explode safely and, and you know, 20 role players to pretend that they're the villagers or whatever. I've done this before. And so that just rolled into filmmaking. So now I'm, in addition to acting, I'm directing a little bit and, and producing uh, projects as well. And that's, I'm kind of, I'm on the new, I'm very low on the hierarchy of that. I'm just starting that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my army uh, career rolled right into what I'm doing now. That is so incredible. And I think it's the thing that people need to remember when, when they're getting older and they want to start doing something that's uh that looks like it's unrelated to what they've been doing their whole life. But there's those skills that we've all accumulated over time and they transfer over to other things very often. And we don't ignore, we don't, we can't see it for ourselves sometimes. I think. I think you we know? think well, I've been in veterinary medicine. The only thing I can do is be a veterinarian. Um, I'm, I've been a leader. I've been a, um, you know, an actor basically in, in, uh, these, these training exercises. Yeah. There's so many things I've done research. I've been a teacher. I've had to train other people, you know? So yeah, I think with people, I mean, even imagine the, the person who's primarily dedicated their life to their work has been running a family or running a household. That's still leadership. That's still organization. That's still, all of those skills put it uh, put in there. And I, I think that most of us, you know, if you worked in an office where you ran the operations in the office and made sure that meetings got done on time or, you know, got held on time and ordered the food for the meeting or did all that stuff, you can take that and pick it up into any industry. Any, you know, those organizational skills or those leadership skills or those creative skills, being able to, when you walk into a situation, a new situation, you know, if you tell yourself there's going to be an infrastructure, there's going to be a system, how this works. And all I have to do is sit back and think and watch how that system works. Mm -hmm. Who's in charge? Who talks to who? How do you get things done? Who are the people who are really good at this? Uh, and regardless, you know, in the army, for example, we have very specific rules on who, how you address different people, you know, sir, ma'am, or, or sergeant or whatever. You have a hierarchy. On a set, that, on a film set or a TV set, the etiquette is the same. If you're the if you're the extra, if you're the background actor, you don't go up to the director and ask, "Where do you want me to stand?" You ask, you know, the second assistant director or the production assistant or whatever, or you just wait for them to tell you because you're a private, basically. And, and so the everything we do has an infrastructure. And so if you have that system brain um, where you know that things work in a system, then you go to that new place and it makes it so much easier to sort out where, where am I in this? What, what can I do? How can I contribute? Yeah. And I don't mean like, you know, your place. I don't mean it that way. That sounds kind of intimidating. I mean that it gives you the confidence to know that I have a role here and I just have to figure out what my role is. Where you fit also. in. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 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 I'm you're kind of blowing my mind with this whole idea of like how similar what you did in the army is. And I had no, frankly, I had no idea that these kinds of training exercises with turned over buses and actors yeah. and things. I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing that, that happened yeah, in yeah. the, that's, that's pretty extensive, that kind of training. Wow. <laughs> Communities do that too. They're, whatever your your local, regional, or your state emergency office of emergency services, they hold those exercises as well. And a lot of times they'll they'll do community casting calls basically and ask for volunteers. I had or no if idea. It, yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. So I would love to go back to the moment in time when you when you were leaving when you were leaving the service and you you mentioned that you felt lost. Can you go back and talk about what that felt like? Sure. So I went to, I went from the military directly into a government agency um, doing similar stuff that I was doing in the army. Not, I, I shouldn't say similar stuff, no veterinary medicine. 
Um, but I was, it, it, we were all supporting the, the war on terrorism, so to speak, but I was around civilians, many of who'd never been in the military, many, many who didn't. And in the, the hierarchy, like you knew exactly in the military, you know exactly who you go to if you have an issue and everything is just, you know, you know where you're going. And it, it was different. It was that infrastructure. I needed to learn that infrastructure. And, and there was different, you know, in the, in the military, you can see another person in uniform across a parking lot and go like, I gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have that in the civilian world. We all wear the same, you know, we're all wearing suits or whatever we were wearing. And, and there was so many things that were military that I didn't realize I relied on for my identity. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and I, I can't, it's really hard to explain it, but simple things like knowing that, uh, if there was a crisis, for example, if something happened in your job that you deal with, mm -hmm. um, there's this automatic support system and everybody's on the same page. You know, in, in the war, unfortunately, something bad would happen and we'd all come together for a meeting the next morning and we'd, we'd know we're all on the same page with that. And and in the civilian world, when something bad would happen, it, my first month there, something really bad happened overseas. and. And I don't want to go into details about that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, all right, let's fix this. Let's get everybody get, get, let's get in the meeting. And this is what we need to do. And people were melting down and, and I was really frustrated with like, why are you so emotional over this? This is what happens. Get your act together. And, and it was around new year's and we were all going to go out for new year's and everybody was like, we shouldn't under the circumstances, what do you mean? We we got to stop our lives. And and I was this one whole extreme of mm. yeah, people bad things happen to some really good people. And so what? We got to let's go out and party because that's how you blow off steam. And which was completely inappropriate on that side. And they were on this side, you know, on the other side where they were all emotional about it and just like, you know, having existential crises, which they should because they've never dealt with this before. And and so I remember thinking, um, I, I'm lost. No one here understands what, how I'm, you know, they thought I was insensitive. That's, that's, you, you know, you don't even care. Like, yeah, absolutely. I do care. And I have learned over 10 years of being on active duty and having this happen a lot, because I'm in a medical unit or, you know, I'm a medical person that you can't dwell on it. You have to keep moving. And, and so I realized, wow, I am so far out of touch with how the average person deals with loss or crises or whatever. And I really need to find my ground again. I need to get human again, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that I was had all this angst, like, am I a bad person? Why are these people treating me like I'm insensitive? They think I'm, and, and this is something very, this was very tough for me. If you were a younger male, we had a lot of younger military men that got out after you know, five, six years and came to that office. Um, and you acted stoic like I was. They'd say, well, it's just the military. They were like that in the military. If I acted like that as a, at the time of 47-year-old female, what's wrong with her? Yeah. And there, you know, I, I have been Complete chased double out of standard, right? Double standard. I have been, I, I won't say I've been chased out of it because I stood my ground. I was at a grocery store parking lot, uh, local to us here, and they have the signs that say veteran parking only. And I've had people come up to me and say, that's for veterans. And I said, yes, it is. And then I just let, watched their little heads, you know, freak out while they figured out, oh, you're a veteran. Like, not my for your friend, husband. My friend Kat Corchado has spoken about having exactly the same experience. Oh, yeah. she's, she's an Air Force veteran. And she has exactly the same experience parked in veteran parking and somebody right. called, tried to call her out for it. And she was like, right. But they see me as a female and especially an older female. And and people have taught, you know, I've talked to, they say, well, you don't really look like a veteran. Well, what does a veteran look like? 
you know, a young male, big, strong guy. Exactly. Exactly. We make, we have so, we have shortcuts for the way we label people, think of people, categorize people, you know, this makes me think of something unrelated to the, to the military question that, that you're, that we're talking about right now, which is just the, the code of, well, what is it, what does a 55 year old person look like? What does a 61 year old person look like? They look like, (laughs) They're like, if somebody were to look at us and decide, oh, you look young for your age, you look old for your age, you look, there's all these decisions being made. It's like, no, I look my age because I am my age. Exactly. This is exactly what my age looks like, because that's, that's That's the fact. I love that. I absolutely love that because it's, it's right. We have a standard. If you say you look older or you look younger, there's a standard that you're, that you've personally decided is what normal looks like. And, and, and then you judge that this person is on one of those one end of the normal one side of the normal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. It's, I, and I'm guilty of that as well. Very I am too. I am too. Yeah. We all are. We've been steeped in this whole um, discussion. I mean, this t- leads us down a whole new conversation, which is just talking about the ageism that's rampant in our society, in our culture that we've all been steeped in, swimming around in. I, all through my 40s, was looking at this person in the mirror that I was like, who is that old person? You know, and and I started telling myself I was getting old. Oh, I'm feeling any kind of like memory lapse I had about where I put my keys or my phone or anything. Oh, I'm having a senior moment. Little things like that, that I was doing to myself that I didn't, recognizes ageism against myself. And um, once I did recognize that, oh, oh, pretty much through my whole decade of my 40s, I was placing limits on myself about what I was capable of doing and how much you know, what what was going to be next for me. I felt I really felt like it was all downhill. And Physically, things started to happen to me. I, you know, I had a lot of weird physical bursitis and bun, you know, and all the things and you hear and and it just solidifies the idea that, yep, my body, I'm getting old. My body's falling apart. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here because I want to let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by Midlife Cues. Are you looking to live life more intentionally and grow personally as you get older? The Midlife Cues newsletter is the perfect solution for you. Every Sunday, you can open up your email to find a weekly newsletter filled with carefully researched resources and tools to help you live your best life. It's written and published by Lou Blazer, who left a successful career in corporate America and now focuses on helping midlifers be truly happy and feel fulfilled in the second half of their lives. You can subscribe today at midlifecues.com. I remember, so I went to veterinary school when I was 33, 34. Yeah, I I turned 34 right after we started. And I, um, at the time, that that wasn't old to me at all. I mean, I was 30, you know, in the prime of my life. And I knew that I was going to be 10 years older than most of my classmates. At least that's what I thought. And uh, just because if you go right to college and then straight to veterinary school afterwards. And, and I remember in the interview, you know, they asked me about my age, not, they, m- not my actual age. What they said is you've had a lot of experiences. What brings you here now? Um, this is like your third career. I think what they're meant to say is you don't spend a lot of time doing any one thing. What makes you think that you're going to spend a lot of time with this? Like we want to get people. I think maybe that's what they wanted, but they did mention, they mentioned the word age. And that of course, you know, instantly set my hackles up. And, but my answer to them was, well, I figure, you know, if I start now, I'll be 36 when I graduate, I'm going to be 36 regardless of whether I go to veterinary school or not. I might as well have a really good degree and career ahead of me at 36. And they liked the answer. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, all through my life, because I just, I didn't really get my life together at first. I was training horses and having fun and not really paying attention to my future, chasing a boy around the world. And, (laughs) and I didn't go to, I went to junior college at 23. And 
so I, and then I went part-time and then eventually I went to university. And so by the time I, and I went part-time, you know, it took me 11 years to get through my undergrad degree. And, but I was also, whatever I did, whether I was on the, the softball team at the junior college, you know, the, an extracurricular softball team, I was 10 years older than everybody I knew. I was always 10 years older. I got in the army. I was 10 years older than my counterparts, the other captains that we came in basic training together and the officer basic training. And so I was always the old lady. And my first, this is kind of funny. My nickname when I was in band, I was in the marching band in school was fine wine because I was aged. I was 25 with a bunch of 18, 19 year olds. Well, this is really funny. Uh, go 20 years or 15 years in the future I'm in the army and after you go through the selection course the the medical selection course I had to go to they give you a funny call sign and you you sew it on the back of your hat you know your little baseball cap they give you and it was fine wine again and I I might have told somebody that at some point and that's why they called me because all the guys had I was the only female in the in the class of 20 or so and all of the guys had these horrible names. They were just like insulting nicknames meant to just make fun of them. And they were kind of afraid to do that to me. So they call me fine wine because I was aged. I was 41. So at 30 something, or what was I, 27 in the band at school. No, no, 25. I'm sorry, 25. I was old. I was the old lady. At 40, I was the old lady. At And I just got rid of that. Like, I'm not the old, I'm. I might physically, I might not be able to do what you do, but I'm not any older than you. And, and so my entire life has been trying things, some things that I probably shouldn't do like that. You're going to kill yourself. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but all of, you know, the athletic things, I never, I never ran. I never, I was never even in a gym until I was in my late third, literally in the army. I'd never been inside of a gym wow. and, and suddenly I had to work out and I'm doing, you know, I'm going I couldn't run two miles when I joined the army, which is the standard. And then two years th later at Fort Bragg, now Fort Liberty, doing working with special operations, I was running 10 miles. And, but I was 40. <laughs> I was like, I, and, and so, uh, yeah, I was always just like 10 years older than everybody else I was around. Even when I went to that civilian job with the government, I was about 10 to 15 years older than the other people that came in through the training group that I did. And, um, and that's, and now I realize like, wow, I'm 61. Holy cow. I thought I was old at 25. Why did I, because I was as, I was older than everybody else, if that makes sense. So I don't feel like, like that anymore. I don't feel old and I, I, I have, I have had to work really hard at it, but that self-talk, like, like you're talking about now <laughs> I'm so sore. I can't run anymore. I, I, if I drop something on the ground, I have to contemplate how badly I really need it <laughs> or I'll wait until there's something else on the floor that I need to pick up and I'll do it as a, as a group, you know, the, those kind of things, you know, you wake up and like, how did I throw my back out sleeping? And, uh, but I, I try not to look at that as old anymore. I, and, and then like the memory thing, instead of being, you know, I have, I do have um, some family history of memory loss at an early, early-ish age. And I'm concerned about that, but I don't think of that. I think of like, I have this hard drive that's so full of stuff. Yes. And I need to delete some files. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> I am with you. Yeah. 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 And it's how we talk to ourselves. You know, when you, when you tell yourself that something is because you're getting old, I just feel like it's a surrender of, of power you know, to tell ourselves things Absolutely. like that. And here you are, you're such a great example. It's like, you decided I wanted to do this thing. I signed up for the, for the year long course. Boom. You jumped in, you did it. You started a year later, you've got an agent. Now you're producing your own film. That's amazing. Right? Well, you know, well, I think that some of the realization, well, I'll back up just a bit. One, one thing is I've never, I have never worried too much about my looks. And I, that sounds like I don't keep, you know, like I let myself go. I don't mean it that way. That's never been a priority to me. I want to look nice. I want to dress nice. I want, you know, my hair to look nice. 
And it's nice to be called it if somebody comments on you being attractive. That's nice. But that's never been my priority. I've always been a brainiac. I really, my accomplishments and my creativity is way more important to me. But just about three years ago, I used to get auditions for things like the cop or the detective. And I don't get those anymore. I get grandma. I was, ugh, last two months, I, w- I had the best month, two months in commercials, three commercials in two months or in six weeks, which are great. And one was a as a cancer patient in a hospital and the other was for a Medicare commercial. And and the other and the last one I played a grandma. And and so when I embraced my age, like um, you know, it's okay. For example, my hair is just starting to get gray. I've let I've tried to let it go gray. It's not gray enough to be silver. So I haven't done that. But I don't get a lot of parts because I don't have gray hair. And I'm too old to play the cop anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this little like this little thing. But the first time I was booked on a Screen Actors Guild national commercial. And that's a big, big accomplishment for, for me at that level. When I was in the wardrobe fitting, it was all over Zoom because it was during COVID. But I'm standing there in this room with uh, the wardrobe person and she's having me try on an outfit, walk out, stand in front of the computer while the director and the client and the producer talked about me. And it was very, you know, um, humbling. And then I'd change clothes and come back out and just stand there and turn and, you know, model for them. And the director said, well, she's a bit older, so uh, maybe we'll have her wear that other thing instead of this thing. And all he was really referring to is I was a bit older than the lead. I was a supporting role. So I should wear the clothes that are less, um, the more grandma clothes. I'll just put it that way. And I I stood there waiting to be crushed. Like, they think I'm old. And I and then I realized I'm I'm waiting for that. Oh God. And I and it didn't happen. And and I thought they know exactly how old I am. And they cast me. There was a thousand people submitted for this role. And I I was the one they picked. And they know exactly, I mean, they don't know my age, but they know what I look like. Mm-hmm. And if this is what gets me work, like you said, I am my age. I'm not, I don't look younger than I my age, I don't look older than my age. I am my age and I look my age. And and they think that too. And that's why they hired me. And so now that I've been sort of embraced that and I don't try to look younger than I, I, I don't try to do things, you know, hair, makeup, whatever, to look right. younger. Right. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot more work. I also updated my age range on, there's a database we use for casting where all of our specs are in there. And I was in the 45 to 60 age range and I just stepped up to, to from 50 to 70 and I'm getting a lot more work. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? It's, it's so funny because, you know, I, I, I was in the, I, I haven't done the kind of on-camera work that you've done. So understand that my experience of the acting, you know, as being an actor is quite a bit different. I feel like for, for theater versus being on camera, but what I do know it is, is it is one of the most ageist industries in Absolutely. in existence, other than maybe modeling, right? Um, you know, but but being an actor, it is it is this thing where you have to separate yourself from the experience of the audition and the and that experience of somebody talking about you as as a component of a story that they're trying to tell that it's right. not personal that it is that they have a way that they want to tell their story but boy what a what a thick skin you have to develop in in the industry that you're in right now when you know to to be able to separate yourself and be strong in yourself and i think that's what what i think probably comes through with the instagram uh, series that you mentioned is that I the way I kind of survived that the thick skin is to take myself out of it it's not personal and look at it from a sort of a a silly sort of way I play primarily goofy the crazy cat lady the nosy neighbor what has been your experience since you've been doing this and you've as you said you've always been really even even before the doing these films and these student films you've been in quotes, the old lady. (laughs) 
So you've been in intergenerational relationships really your whole career. And and then how is that different now? Do you feel like those intergenerational relationships, do they have legs? Have you do you have have you stayed in touch with anybody? Do you have you learned from those younger people? Yes, I, I have quite a bit. Um I so something I just wrote, we're gonna film it next well, three weeks, three or four weeks from now. It and it has two kids, two uh, a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old as the leads. And I have a friend who's about 22 years, 23 years younger than me, who's also a filmmaker. And 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 she's great. She bridges that gap between younger people and and me, right? And I wrote the first draft or one of the first drafts and I sent it off to her to look at. And the first comment she said is, kids don't talk like that. You've written these kids to talk like a 60-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, chop it up, do what you need to do. How would they say it? And, and you know, everybody does that. We write we tend to write more formally than we speak. And so every revi- every first draft, we have to chop up the dialogue and, and people don't, you know, when we write, we tend to not write like we speak. So you have to have people read it and listen to it and make revisions. But that's uh, that's a common thing. And so when I, I, I worked on a series of workshops at uh, the studio last year and the year before where we produced short films and I was the director. And, and so I would, you know, they'd get this script and I was usually part of writing it. And they would tell me like, you know, I wouldn't say that. And I'd say, okay, tell me how you'd say it. And and I think that would, how would you say it? And then I, I would, maybe we'd compromise on it. Or I was like, yeah, just do that. And I think that gained a lot of trust that, you know, cause if they, this is going to, well, let's just go back to what we were talking about before. If somebody comes on set and they, and they see me, I'm this old, you know, older, sixty uh, something year old, um, slightly overweight woman who's really goofy, and I'm serious when I'm working, but I'm pretty lighthearted and make fun of myself all the time, as you've seen in the, those videos. And you know, I walk with a limp. You know, I broke my ankle, and um, I just look like I'm, like, who is this lady? Does she... And and so. I sometimes have to work a little harder at getting the confidence of the people who are working for me than say a handsome young man or same thing in the military. If I come on, if I get up to talk about what I did in the military about medical training, I have to you know, work harder to prove you need to listen to me. This is why once they get to know me, we're all good, but I have to come in and really show, I know this, this is a product production we're doing about younger people. And I'm not a, younger person so I'm going to trust you to bring that character to life and um and you know, same thing with with acting because you know, probably most- really appreciate that because I think so often older people want to um impart their wisdom <laughs> let's just say right and you right. get kind of like that top-down power dynamic whereas when you're trying to create something and tell a story how awesome when a director is aware enough to give that power to the performers and say, bring yourself to this because there's a reason we brought you specifically into this role. Do your thing. Right. You know, and, and I have to balance that because I am very new at this. I mean, I've been a leader for 20 something years, but I have to balance that giving sort of giving them the reins to do what they want with but I'm still in charge. Production schedule, things got to get done, right? All the, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've said, you know, because I know most, most of the people I work with in in that capacity, the workshop films and things, I know them and, and we've gone through training together. We know each other as friends. And so I, I think most of the people that work with me know that at, at the beginning of the production, when we sort of do the huddle and get ready to start, I say, okay, I'm going from friend Janice mode to director Janice mode or production manager Janice mode. So everybody be prepared for that. If I bark at you to do something, just do it because chances are at the end of the day, I won't even remember who I barked at. I won't remember who it was. So you don't have to go home and hate me forever because I told you to be quiet or get out, you know, move out of the camera view or whatever. Um, but, and, and so that like from an acting standpoint too, you're a tool to tell somebody else's story. And, you know, until you're, 
Helen Mirren or Tom Cruise or whatever, you don't get to have a say. I mean, unless the director asks you like, like I do, like how, okay, I'm, you're 12. How would you say it? And I don't even know what that word means. So just fill me in. Um, yeah, you got, you have to, if they tell you to do something different or if they tell you to do it five different ways, it's not because you're doing it wrong. It's they're trying to, they're trying to use you and your skill to guide you in a certain direction. What have you learned about yourself in in doing this at this point in your life? Wow. Um, well, I, one thing I learned was that I can cry on command. <laughs> I did not know that. I'm not. And, and this from the woman who was stoic. considered stoic. Like, uh, yeah. oh my gosh. Okay. And what else have you learned uh, doing um, this at, point, at this point in your life? I've, well, I've learned that um, I, we have a tendency as actors, you get on set and you go into talent holding and you all start out nervous and then you all start to do this one-up game. I don't know if you did this in theater, but it was like, what have you been on? What have you done lately? Who's your agent? So one part of it is just small talk. You're just meeting people and, yes. and you're like, oh, I know you. I, we were on a commercial together or whatever. And, but what I've learned about me is I've learned to recognize when I start to act in a way that is competitive or envious or whatever, I start to get this anxiety. We go into talent holding and there's five of us there and we just start talking. And somebody says that they just did the commercial for whatever grocery store. And I'm thinking, I auditioned for that role. Mm -hmm. And and I, I'll say, oh, I auditioned for that. How did it go? You know, I, I'm just saying, oh yeah, because all of us of our age auditioned for it. Um, and I'll, I'll realize it came out, a, that came out a little bit like I auditioned for that, like a little bit worried. And, you know, for a, a typical thing that I'm in, there might be a thousand to 2000 people that get submitted for it. And then 200 that get asked to audition and 60 that go to the director to look at your audition and five that get a call back and two of you get put on hold and one of you gets picked. And there's so many other factors to that, that I've yes. long, I don't look at it as rejection at all, that it's not rejection. It's just, if you get picked, everything, the plan is lined up. You, you happen to be what they wanted to, wanted you to look like. They liked your audition. There's a, an acting coach that I follow online. I've never met him, but I, I follow him on YouTube. And he, he says, if you, if you start thinking of your job as doing a really good audition and callback, then you're never going to fail at your job or you're not going to fail. If you look at your goal or your goal is to do a, the best audition you can, if your goal is to get booked, which it needs to be because financially, you know, to, to do any, to make a living. But if you, if you switch the goal from booking it to um, doing a really good audition, then you don't feel like you failed as much. And I mean, and I honestly, I, when I audition, if I don't get a call back, I've forgotten all about it the next week. I, I don't even, I just move on. I don't think like, oh, I didn't get a call back. I'm pretty grounded in that. I know that there's a lot of people going out for this. I know that there's so many factors put into who they want. And, and I've had a few, you know, a, a couple of things where they told me on set, as soon as we saw your audition, we knew you were the one. And that's such a great feeling. Uh, um, yeah. That, uh, but it, what every <laughs> actor wants to hear ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm so grounded in not, you know, you're not going to get most of what you audition for that when I start feeling that I, why didn't I get that? Or, or the typical thing is sitting in talent holding and you start comparing each other. I'll notice the tone of my voice just sounds a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more, I don't know, um, just not my easygoing character. I've learned and I've been able to recognize that and then carry it over to life. You know, that when I realized like, I'm being just a little bit aggressive of telling these people my accomplishments. And why is that? What's going on in my life that's making me feel like I need to do that? Or mm -hmm. in, anywhere in life. I was just a little bit rude to my friend today. Why was I, when we went for coffee, why was I like that? What's going on that's making me do that? And cause that's not me and and then I've also learned that if I boil it down to, well, and this ties back to me feeling lost and having to find myself like, wow, I'm way over here. I need to get, you know, closer to 
closer to normal American <laughs> civilian, um, that if I determine what it is that's making me feel off, then I can I can ascribe all of my feelings to that. So if I have a bad day, something makes me feel off. And if I've sorted out to the exact thing that's making, that's kind of putting me off kilter, then I can focus that feeling on that thing and not carry it out into the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, and that, you know, that's, going back to the Instagram thing, when I started that, I had done a few of those just for the fun of it on my, I have a personal Instagram account. And, and this, this director that I'd worked with before thought that that was funny. And he encouraged me to start doing the web series. He actually produced it and, and had an editor for it. And, um, and I was just like, why would anybody want to see that? What's so, what's so funny about that? And what, what I realized I was I was doing there is I am feeling silly about this thing. I'm feeling nervous about this audition. So I'm going to sit here and and talk about it. And I could hear me say things like, well, my hair is sprayed into submission and I'm ready to go. And it's like, wow, you're you're really concerned about how your hair looks, aren't you? Like, I didn't realize I was, you know, or um or, I, and I'll tell you why I was attracted to it, if you want to know. Sure. I, th I think I think the reason you've garnered a following on Instagram for this is because it, it takes something that most people don't get to see every day, the actual uh, a human being doing a thing that most people don't do or get a chance to do, you know, and there you are living your life and showing us your prep work, your behind the scenes experience, Janice's individual unique story of being an older actress, doing what you're doing and, and not taking it so seriously, you know, which is great. And, um, and it's just very human. It's just a very human story. And it it drew me in, you know? And I, so I'm nice going to assume it's doing the same thing for other people. I, I hope so. I um Because it's, it, you, you hit it on the head there. It's not taking myself too seriously. There are a lot of actors, my age included, that are worried about like making it or worried about whatever, you know, we worry about stuff. That's That's what we do. And I'll raise my hand right here. When I was in the business and I was trying for it, I took it all so seriously. seriously. I just got so much in my own way by taking it so seriously. It was like, yeah. if I had, if I had had your outlook on this, which is I am a part of a thing that does a thing and, and I'll have, I'll step in and do my thing and walk away at the end of the day. I can't imagine what I might've been able to accomplish with oh. that attitude. You know, I, I, well, I wish. Yeah, I think this is for all of us. You know, when you're 30 ish, I think I started thinking I knew it all when I was about 35. And then by the time I was 50, I realized that wasn't true. But I wish that now I'm convinced I don't know anything. <laughs> right, right. I I wish that I had the confidence that I have now. The confidence, the grounded confidence versus the false confidence. Yeah. This is like taking you on such a, such a, such a journey, right? And still so much more to happen. Like you're oh, now you're so. directing and, and writing and producing your own work yeah. and using everything that you've done in your life before to, to all those skills are all coming into play now. It's so, I'm so excited for you. Um, we should direct people to your Instagram so that people know where to where to find you and go see these gems that, that you're sure. putting out there. It's at Janice the Actor, all one word, J-A-N-I-C-E, and then the actor, um, and Instagram. And that's pretty, I do a little Facebook, but not really anymore. I guess Instagram is the big place to find me. And I have a YouTube channel that's the same thing, same address. Um, although I'm not very good about posting stuff on there and we'd taken a break. We ran two series and then we took a break and I just posted 
the first thing of the new series yesterday. I don't know if you saw the raccoons. I have a family of raccoons that Okay, <laughs> I've gotta go look. I gotta go yeah. I gotta go get the update. That's great. I well I have a family of raccoons that come up. I feed a stray cat, a feral cat on my porch on my deck. And so of course the raccoons come to get in on that. Oh my gosh, Janice, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a great pleasure to talk to you. Oh, you too. Thank you so much. It's wonderful. Well, there you have it. Oh my gosh. I loved talking to Janice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And, you know, I love that she was always considered the old lady fine wine. I love that. I think we should all start referring to ourselves as fine wine. So love it. Um, I want to wish you a very happy end to 2023. It's been it's been a year, hasn't it? It's been a crazy year in the world with all the things happening, and I. You know, sometimes it gets heavy, but I wish you joy and lightness in the middle of whatever's coming up for us in 2024. I hope for myself and for you that we can move through this world with some playfulness and with not taking it all so seriously and with you know, maybe the idea of letting go of what's out of our control and doing what we can with what we have where we are. I wish that for you. I wish that for everybody. You know, let go of the stuff that's not in your zone and think about what you really want and what's next for you and, and playfully take some action towards it. How about that? How about that as our plan for 2024? That's what I'm aiming for, my friend. And I just want to thank you for being on this journey with me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Looking forward to the next year. In the meantime, I'll be back in another week as we round the corner into 2024. So in the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon. I feel like I should play like a, like one of those uh, Happy New Year horns. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Bye. Love you.